listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 544. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our discussion of the Netflix mystery series, Bodies. And I guess a lot of us, you included, were in snow removal mode today because yeah. we got a couple inches uh, here, and you got your uh, snowblower mm-hmm. out, and it started up. Good for you. Um, I, I typically try to start mine every couple months all summer long and then do the same thing with my tractor in the winter. And I mean, I put stabilizer in the gas, but yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, the, I should do all those things, but I, I don't, <laughs> I just, it just stays there in the, uh, in the garage, uh, which is just barely not outside. And, uh, you know, just every year it just seems to start up okay. Like, you know, like, like I said, it literally took me longer to find my snow boots, which I had no idea what, you know, like it just, we, we haven't really had a, a worthwhile snow in Maryland in, in, I mean, it's been probably three years, right? A few years. Sure. And, uh, yeah, and so when, I, when you go to find your snow boots, I'm like, where the, I haven't worn the things in three years. Who knows where they are? I, I vaguely think they're in the garage but oh lord that place is a nightmare you know so anyway so yeah now my arms are sore from all the all the um snow blower pushing and you might say the snow blower is that easy there's a lot more snow snow blowing than than meets the eye especially when you have some heavy snow out there uh plus oh yeah i really have because i like i'll go and you know go and uh run it down to the the corner, so the kids going to school in the morning can have a path uh, at the end of the sidewalk and everything. Um, so I go from my house down the corner. I usually run up the other side of the street. And I was going down the other side of the street. They ran out of gas. So a sane person would have just walked the half block back to my house, gotten the two-pound gas can, and taken it back. But instead, I dragged the freaking... 100 pound snowblower, the half block back to my house. And then, as I was putting the gas in, I was thinking, this is dumb as, as anything. This is so stupid. Like, why did I drag this snowblower back to my house? Why should I just go out and grab the gas can? Like, so. Yeah, well, nobody stole it. So there is that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think there'd be much danger of that. That was. Uh, but, you know. You never know. That is true. You never know. But anyway, yep, so, so I got my so, got my workout uh, though. Got got some lats in. Got some uh, good, you know, leg work. Talking about things that we don't do often enough, and with you know, we're, certainly we're happy about it. Uh, dealing with auto insurance company. Uh, so taking my wife over to see her mom over off of Bollinger, which you know it's like less than ten minutes from home. Hit a deer. Now, fortunately, it was a small deer, just clipped him. He ran off. Um, And to tell you how major an impact it was. Now, my wife didn't have her hearing aids in and she was texting somebody. She didn't even know I hit anything. Right. But bumpers are plastic, as you know. So it's like I was telling her and she's like, oh, it'll be fine. I'm like, no, it won't. (laughs) <laughs> so so we got there the big hunk of plastic out of the bumper mm-hmm. and you know it's like dealing with the insurance company the person and somebody might say well dave you should understand your policy yeah i was a fucking english teacher have you seen these <laughs> damn policies 
No one would say you should. Well, I mean, there's probably some people who know every letter of everything they ever signed. But yeah, but uh, but likewise, like yeah, when I when you yeah when you hit some, you know, and you're at the. I mean, you're not quite the but you kind of are at the mercy of the insurance company you know like just like i don't know what to do from now what do i do now you know like right and they just the person i talked to was you know very nice accommodating but really didn't explain to me what my options really were so after i got off the phone you know google is your friend and i called them back and it's like hey here's what we're doing so anyway very lucky that nobody was hurt hopefully not even the deer too badly but uh still pain in the ass but uh anyway yeah you know all right well, these hunters have really got to get their game going man because yeah, it seems no like kidding. there's just so many deer out there i'm like what's the point of having deer season if there's still all these deer running around come on guys <laughs> get it going all right well anyway just a reminder we typically record on mondays except when we don't audio feedback has a strict six minute time limit and it's got to be in by sunday 6 p.m eastern time and we want to welcome and thank our newest patreon supporter and and chris uh I, I should know how to pronounce your last name, Knudsen or Knudsen. Uh, I'm never sure. Well, yeah, uh, you, know, you would think Knudsen, but doesn't the the dude in um, oh, what's that show you did? Uh, the, the, the... Vikings? No, 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 no. no. Eric, um, Eric, the the the, 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 oh, the time travel right. show. Uh, Correct. Continuum. Continuum. I knew it started with this. Right, C. that's how he pronounced it. Right, he, he he pronounced the K. Right, so yeah, so you're not, yes. you know, it's okay, man. Okay, but uh, regardless, Chris, thank you for the support and uh, welcome to the family. So, all right, what we are watching now. Um, I'm, I'm going to do a quick uh, thing on Netflix and then get to my main one. Uh, yeah, because we've talked about how our Netflix feed is different. You don't see too many things for international shows uh, where I do. So you may not have heard of this show, and I forget the Spanish name, but the American name is Money Heist. And I, I believe I've heard I don't of know that if show. You, um, okay, dude, <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> um, so I'm watching the first season, and don't ask me to explain the you know, season one, part one, part two, whatever. I get like six episodes in. It's like, F this. I need to know what happens. So, dude, I'm sorry, but I kept fast forwarding through like 15 episodes. To I, I got to the second to last episode of the first story. And I'm like, screw this. I'm just going to the season finale. <laughs> I know that's terrible. I I, I feel terrible oh about it. But, I feel uh, I feel like I, I feel like a little dirty just having listened to I, that. You now now, admittedly, most of the stuff I fast forwarded through were the flashbacks, which admittedly are important. Yeah. I I'm that's not lost on me, but <laughs> but still, um, I've been a better boy with the second story, and uh, you know, without you're not going to give any plot details away uh let me just say uncle wayne has been right all along if you haven't seen money heist check it out because you might say "Ah, i don't like heist movies fine i'm not sure i like heist movies either this ain't a heist movie 
Well, I mean, so, like it is, but it is, but there's it isn't. so much more, right? Like, especially, Bert, yes. well, I mean, all of them. The characters are really, it's really the characters. And that's why the freaking, you know, flashbacks are so important, Dave, because it's so I much know. character development uh, happens there. So I would just say, question Team Tokyo or Team Nairobi? Uh, that's, I've, I've always kind of liked Nairobi. Yeah, uh, me too. A, a, a woman like Tokyo, I feel just like too much for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, all of them are basically, but but especially a woman who is uh, who who uh, is so like kind of I, I, I mean I, I, like adventurous and um, kind of takes the bulls by the horn, like you know, which is great. You know, I think she's an awesome character. I love the character. But she scares me a little. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Willis, I'm going to hold off till next week with my other uh, what I'm watching since we uh, spent like five minutes on Money Heist, which is well spent time. <laughs> sure. But what do you got? Well, I might as well follow up because I did finish uh, Berlin, Money Heist Berlin, which again follows one of the characters from the original series. Um, and, uh, you know, it was it was great, you know. And, like, the thing about it is just, like, I kind of, like, follow up saying it's not, like, all about the heist. This one, I mean, the heist is just, like, backdrop to everything else that's going on. And it's really a story about love, right? And that's, like, the the best part of it, right? It's just, is this idea of uh, of love and, and, and being in love and, follow, and falling for that person and, you know, being scared and everything. Uh, it was just, it was really, really good. Um, I would not fast forward through one second of it, but you know, it, sometimes these things happen. That's what happens when they give the man a remote, but yeah, yeah, it is. Um, you know, we should let the women handle the remote every now and then. Did I just say that? Did I say that loud? That's cr- crazy talk. <laughs> um, and half our listeners go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what else? Uh, Money Heist Berlin. I would, hmm. I'm going to go with, uh, so this is actually, uh, oh, it's when I got the flu. So when was that? The mid, mid-December, I finished reading the peripheral. I don't know why it's taking me. I just, I don't, I, I guess, I don't know. I think I just don't sit down and read as much as I should. And then I get the flu and I have nothing to do but read. So I knocked it out. Um, super glad that I read the book. Uh, so different from the show. Did you finish reading it, by the way? I have 20 pages literally to go. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Um, and that's actually the yeah. part I probably liked the least was the ending, but I'm not going to really say anything about it because I don't want to spoil anything for anyone, especially you with you you're there. Uh, the part, yeah. And, you know, and you'll see. I, I, I imagine you'll, you'll have the same reaction to the ending that I had. I, I'm, I'm reading this. And I'm like, there's just like the, the television show really only has like a, passing resemblance to the novel which is awesome because that's one thing i've i've always said is that you know like as a as a reader who ultimately when you you know you you see the movie of a book that you liked you're always going to like the book more right because what you do in your head is a billion times more vivid and more uh present than anything that they could put on a screen, right? 
So, you know, why, you know, so I don't like book versions that just slavishly follow the book, right? Like do your version of the book, you know? And I think that's, that's great how the peripheral kind of used that those worlds and that story, but really did their own thing entirely that kind of bears a little resemblance to the, the novel, but really is so incredibly different um, that it's not like to, to, to mention the things in ways which is different. It's not even worth it. It's almost like it's a, it is, it's a different thing entirely. It's a different piece of work. And uh, it was great. Both of them were great. Uh, the, 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 the television series uh, obviously gone before its time, uh, complete disgusting shame on uh, on Amazon for for cutting it. But uh, you know, if you if you were going to miss the peripheral, um, go get the book and immerse yourself in that world with basically a different story altogether, and uh, you'll love it. Just stick with it because it is confusing at first. All right, well, let's get to bodies. Episode six of season one, titled "The World Is Yours." Written by Danusia Samal, who wrote uh, 104 right up the wazoo. Also written by Paul Tomalin. Directed by Hao Wang, who directed 105. Series was released October 19th, 2023. So just to hit the title for a second, The World is Yours. Whose? You know, is this Iris's world? Which You know, I'm jumping ahead to the final scene of the season. Is this Elias's world? Because you know everything depends on the decision he makes. Is it Shahara's world? So I'm not sure what to make of that. Uh, but you know, I yeah, kind of like um, Iris as an answer. But and again, like I, I, man, I just watched it again last night, and like you know, I I think he says it to. Like the recording, basically, he says it to himself, maybe, right? If if that? That, that's what it seems. Yeah, I think that's yeah. You know, like literally, when he says those those lines, I believe he is when he's making right. It is. It is. It's when he's making the that last recording, right? The old butler comes in, is like, "This is the last one, sir," and everything. So, um, I think that's it. But yeah. as as any halfway decent title, worth its salt it's going to work on a number of levels. And I think all the ones you mentioned are totally ways in which that, that title uh, uh, works. Right. Um, so, you know, speaking of Elias, I, I just can't let go of the problem I have with the choice that Elias makes. And I go back to Alan Thomas's feedback tonight. I think it was Alan Thomas. Uh, where he talks about having a number of nitpicks for this episode. And, you know, look, any show, even great shows, are going to have things that you could pick apart. Sure. But is Sarah's rejection of her son truly enough to cause him to commit mass murder? Well, I get not feeling loved, but, I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's just like the last straw, right? Because here's a kid... His whole life, he's been kind of tossed about. Even what's the name of the family that he was with? Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, but whatever. The Morley, Morley's, right? Was right. it Morley? 
Morley? Yeah, it was Morley. Morley. Yep. Yeah. No, Morley. So even though they were like parents to him, right? They they weren't his actual parents, first of all. And also, like, they were raising him to, you know, set off a bomb. So, you know, what life was like with them is, you know, obviously probably pretty questionable. So, you know, like, the Sarah, that's, like, just kind of like the last straw, right? Because he just, his dad finally comes into his life, right? Uh, Grid, his dad comes into his life to encourage him to kill a million people, but still nice to have a dad, right? Uh, minutes later, that dad is shot right in front of him, you know, and then on, right on the heels of that, he's brought to his mother. And you see the kid looking out the window, looks like like a puppy dog, you know, waiting for his owner to come pet him. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's not a dog, obviously. But, you know, like it's just that 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 wistful look that, Oh my God! Will my you know I haven't seen or heard from my mother since I was a little kid. You know, and again, like the that formative age that he was removed from her, taken away from her. Like, you know, he just you know all he wants is just you know just someone or a connection with someone or something, and it just seems like that is not possible for him. I think it's finally he's in a very fragile emotional state as it is and has been for a while. And then it just finally culminates in this that he makes obviously a very rash and not well thought out decision, right? Um, he decides that if, you know, where he basically chooses himself over a million people and say, I, you know, basically, I want, I want to see that. I want to see a world where I'm loved. And you know. well, that's well, that's a fair point because he is only 15. And, and the show I was going to talk about tonight, the, the two main characters are 24. And, and I read an interesting review about the show where, you know, 24, it's an age where we expect you to act like an adult. But you're really still, you know, yeah. finding your way. And I mean, I'm 53, that, Dave, that, and, you know, there's yeah, I hear you. you know, I, I am definitely not 100 percent on acting like an adult. As anyone who has ever heard this podcast can attest to. Yep. Um, so, you know, those are all fair points you're making. I, I guess I wonder, and, and again, like you said that you just rewatched it yesterday, as did I. So I think I've seen this episode three times, maybe not four, but three times. I still get the sense, and I've gotten my notes, wondering whether Barber hopes Hassan talks Elias out of detonating the bomb or is Barber so deeply ingrained in the cult that no, he wants Elias to detonate the bomb because Barber, well, of course, Barber now does Barber know he's going to get shot and die on the boat? That's, you know, that's a great question as well. I have that similar question for 1941. So, my hot take on that is yes. Well, but yeah. Yeah, because he'd know, right? Because Elias would have been able to make a recording for him, say, hey, Barber, by the way, you know, you're going to get shot and you got to get shot because you're getting shot is directly uh, a direct influence on, on my setting off the bomb. 
Right. And you don't have to worry about dying in the explosion or the aftermath because you're going to get shot to death by right. uh, the FBI agent or Homeland Security or whatever she is. Yeah. As we've talked about, this is a decision we feel like, I mean, Elias said it before. He said to Hassan, like, I don't want to kill anybody, right? He doesn't want to make this decision, but just all these events, boom, boom, boom happening to him leads him to make a very 15 year old decision right yeah yeah now speaking of 15 year olds hassan tells mannix in, in 2053 that she'll always regret not killing him when she had the chance so are we back to the killing baby hitler paradox <laughs> well yeah you know it's just you know it's things there's this constant interplay of you know, fate versus free will, right? Are things predetermined or do people have free will? Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll kind of maybe at the end of this thing, we'll, that's going to be a big discussion we're going to have after the last episode. But Gabriel had claimed before there's no such thing, but yet he makes a decision, of, you know, a free decision. But is it a free decision? Because he already knows he's been going back in time. So, you know, if he's already done it, then is he really making a you know free decision to go back in time? Just like Hassan, right? She doesn't want the bomb to go off. But she makes that decision of her own free will to stop the lady from shooting Elias, which she knows will definitely stop the bomb from going off, right? Like if you kill well, the you kid, know, but she makes it. Sorry, go ahead. Right, right. But I was just going to say, what does she really know for sure in 2023? I mean, it, it all sounds great. I mean, you know, and, and as the outsiders looking at the story, we know how things turn out. And the female agent that she's now running with it finally says, you know what? I believe you. All this crazy shit about time travel that you're telling me, I, I believe you now. So, you know, at what point do we expect Hassan to think all of this makes sense? You know, because it's 2023. So many things can be faked. We know that. Right. Uh, so, I, yeah, I, it's just a hard sell. That's a good take. Maybe she is waiting for Alan Funk to pop out somewhere, right? Well, for those of you who yeah. know, don't know what I'm talking about, Alan Funk was the host of a show called Candid Camera where they set up elaborate scenarios that people played out for, for people. And then at the end, Alan Funk would pop out and say, you're on Candid Camera. So that's that right. old illusion. So, you know, she grabs the gun and, and she tries to kill him. Now, in her mind, is this going to put an end to the loop? I would certainly think that's a possibility, but who knows? She only manages to hit him in the leg, and then, of course, we right. know, ah, oh, that's how he got the limp and why right. he needed the cane. Yeah. And, you know, without the cane, would Hillinghead ever been able to you know, narrow down who really was the focus of his investigation? You know, well, maybe that, not. That, that, and I know this is driving you and, and other of our contributors to the Facebook page crazy, but... The cane and everything is—he's just—he's—he's he's just doing the script, right? Like he knows, like he—I don't know if he knows he's going to get shot, but he knows, like everything that happens to him 
basically everything that happens to him, period, full stop, he knows what's going to happen, right? His whole life, we never, actually, we don't know how much earlier, but we figure, we feel like a big part of his youth, he was being indoctrinated on what he has to do and everything. Well, wouldn't that be true of Defoe also? I mean, he says something to Iris that implies he didn't know it was her that shot him. Well, well, why would he know? He wouldn't. Why would he? Why would he know who shot him? He wouldn't, because well, he saw the gun pointed at him and well, the bullet. Right with, uh, at that moment, he figures it out. <laughs> but, oh, okay. But before that, he didn't. I mean, he knows he gets shot in the eye, right? But he has no idea how that happened because you know the only the only time you survived, it wasn't long enough to uh, spill any beans about what was going on. So so why does she shoot Defoe in the first place? I mean, Mannix seemingly leaves her in charge, although that could be debatable. It could just be a turn of phrase that he uses. But why would she well, – well, let me let me back up a second. Does she shoot Defoe because she knows he's going to try to stop Mannix and she's still part of Team Mannix? I think, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, again, there's, there's, it's, it seems like to be a impetuous decision, right? Not unlike Elias's decision to set off the bomb, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't like that. That's I don't, I don't, I really don't know, Dave. Actually, when I think about, it. I don't know why she pulled the trigger it's it's not clear right she just did um and part of that is is it because she had to did she know she had to she saw gabriel's body with the bullet in the eye yeah i don't know that one i don't know we'll see that gets back to you know what you mentioned a few minutes ago the whole idea about free will versus fate and you know whether these characters really do have choice you know in in their decision making process despite what defoe says Um, now on the other hand a lot of this is happening fast and furious for iris and her whole worldview has been turned upside down you know that that she's able to walk because in her mind because of the world yes that mannix has helped create right so does she want to let this guy go through presumably to kill the man that's you know sensibly helped her walk yeah so you know, there's a yeah, lot going on. Right, at that right, point. right. That that's that's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah. Now you know, if she has more time to consider everything that she's learned, well, then uh, obviously she might make a different a different choice. Right. But, I think that um, I think you nailed it. Right. It's just she doesn't have time. Right. Everything is happening much as it did with Elias. Right. There's there's definitely some parallels here between Iris and Elias's. You know, making this momentous decision you know both of them are in a pretty um tempestuous emotional state you know both of them make a decision that is probably not well they don't have the time to think it out and they just you know make it on the spur of the moment 
So I, I think a large part of it is that, yeah, she just really doesn't have time. So she just kind of goes with her gut as to what she thinks is the right thing to do. Now, we talked last time about Defoe splintering and going simultaneously to all four timelines. And while we don't know that for an absolute fact, I, I think we're fairly certain. What about Mannix? Right. When he goes in, does he splinter? Does he go to the same four timelines? We don't know. You know, we know he wants to go to 1890. Yeah. So, yeah, he, and, you know. And to your point, yeah, because I mean, that totally could have happened because, you know, maybe, you know, the earliest guy, the 1890 guy, then he knows when the others are going to show up. So he just has to tell his his cult, hey, when I show up in uh, 1941, put a bullet in my head and throw me in the river or whatever, you know, like. Um, which I don't, but we don't see that happen. So I don't think that happens. It seems like he just goes back to 1890 or Defoe doesn't Defoe goes to, you know, you know, four different timelines. Um, so it, I, I can't, I, I don't know. and can't remember if, well, did they, do you, do you remember, did they give any explanation why that happened in the last two no. episodes? No, not not that I recall. Yeah. So, um, you know, th- we had wondered last week, I believe, about whether they were able to like actually set the time machine for a specific time, and it appears that yes, well, not appears, it does because Elias tells you know Defoe like set it to eighteen ninety, or I'm going to shoot Hassan, right? So, I mean, that happens for sure. So does that mean the settings get like maybe he didn't set it for a particular date and that's why he gets to four different places? I don't know. Yeah. Now I feel like I'm saying I don't know a lot tonight. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, which is clearly why we need a second season and <laughs> right. even a third. But getting back to the free will and choice, do Hillinghead and Whiteman have choices? I mean, Hillinghead I guess you could say, well, he has a choice. He chooses to die for his principles, as does Whiteman. And, of course, the the beauty of those two characters is that they're so radically different when we first meet them. Yes. That, that Whiteman just kind of has this epiphany. And is it Esther's murder that, that – you know, finally wakes him up. Yeah, yeah. I think it's fair to say it is. And he has such a freaking gangster moment of just killing the two baddies, dropping the gun and just sitting down and pouring himself a whiskey. I'm like, bro, that is harsh, man. <laughs> like, you know, cause he doesn't, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He doesn't want to quote unquote, get away with it. Right. He doesn't want the promotion. He doesn't want to get away with it. He, he wanted vengeance or justice, he he calls it justice. Others might call it vengeance. Some people question whether the two are not the same. But anyway, he wanted justice. He feels he got justice. And he's like, I'm good, right? Yeah. He, yep. he, he feels he's going to go out a righteous man. I think that's the most important thing, whether we agree with what he did or not. He, in his, his heart and his mind, he has redeemed himself and he's made himself good 
remember what the rabbi said, right? Like, don't ask whether, you know, don't ask God for forgiveness. Ask the girl for forgiveness, right? And I think he's, he feels like he's done right by Esther. And, and, and he's, he, so he's good to go. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I was trying to explain to Mary how in Money Heist, you, you, you become sympathetic towards, you know, the criminals. Right. And that, you know, law enforcement are the bad guys. Well, I I don't know, at least for me, but, but getting to some of them are, but, but not, uh, not Maria. Right. Well, okay. Um, but like what you say about Whiteman, uh, look how many people he kills really out of vengeance and, and avenging Esther's death. A bit of a body count to uh, his ledger at the end of this thing. Yeah. Um, He's like, I've never killed someone before. It's like, well, you're gotten pretty accustomed to it, bro. Making making up for lost time. (laughs) Um, But let me me jump ahead to the final scene where we've got a naked Harker lying in the street, having just traveled from the future. And he looks at the tattoo and asks the year. So does this imply past misfires? And if this is a loop where everything's exactly the same, well, why is he asking the year? Well, you know, it, it is a loop, right? And no question about that. But again, we, we talk about the, the character's consciousness of it. And I don't think there, you know, I don't think he's conscious that he's done this a bunch of times, but so when he goes back, when he steps into the throat, I should say, he's pretty sure it's going to work, but he's not like 100%, right? He's still kind of stepping into the unknown. So when he gets to 1890, he's like, okay, I just got to make sure it's it worked. And when he finds out it worked, he has the, the evil laugh, right? Right, right. I mean, but it still goes back to you're in 2053, Presumably, you've built the world of your dreams. Well, why are you going back? To build it. But so then does he, is he aware of the loop or not? Yeah. I mean, I mean no, he, why does he need a, to build? He's aware of it. He's just not conscious. You know, like he's not conscious that this is happening over and over, but he knows it's happening over and over. Right? He, he, he's aware of, its, of his existence in a, in a loop. So he knows he has to go back in order to create the world that has gotten him to a point where he can go. We have to go back, Jack. We have to go back. No, I don't acknowledge you saying that. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. The the, the opening sequence takes place in 2023, and we get this extended uh, sequence that we really haven't seen before through the first six episodes or the first five episodes. And, of course, the counterterrorism agents are understandably skeptical that someone in 1941 could predict an attack in 2023. But then when we get to the bank vault and we find out, oh, yeah, the key has been in your name since 1941. Yeah. Yeah, and you see the agents like, what? And so yeah, just like, right. Bro, this is happening all the time. Right. <laughs> and And – Again, I forget who brings it up in their feedback, but but that question about 
the bomb and once we see it and the fact that it has more of a modern look to it well how could that have happened and well i I just assume because of the 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 depth and breadth of this conspiracy they've probably gone in periodically and upgraded absolutely there you know like harker knows a lot of stuff about the future but i don't think he um you know knows how to put together a uh, a wi-fi connection that that detonates a bomb uh so people have without question have been in there and of course we know the the kyal group is you know by 2023 they've been around for 130 years and they've been you know reaching out as as we've said a number of times you know they've really you know kind of um you know encroached on every aspect of of life in in britain right so for them to be able to get i mean would you know would the bank manager be in on it probably like there's if all the you know every dci and uh in whitechapel since you know the 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 late 19th century has been in on it i'm sure they can get you know uh a bank manager in on it too who could let them in there because yeah, obviously someone's been in there that is that bomb was not set up in 1941 and left there i mean the bomb itself maybe was put in there but even then um you know fred talks a lot about this now i was just thinking that it doesn't have to be a 1941 era bomb it might look like one because that's the narrative that they're trying to get out but you know just the existence of the detonator proves that people have been in there since 1941 so they could have put any type of bomb they wanted in there that um you know and and disguised it to look like a you know world war ii era bomb sure and, and they knew how long they had to assemble it right exactly they, they knew yeah. they had until 2023 yeah totally to, loads to, of time right so um and all the layabouts back in the 40s 50s and 60s were like should we do some of the bomb ah they got it <laughs> The 2020 yeah. people do something with it. Just don't worry about it now. Yeah. And, you know, not to belabor the point because, because you know, you, you really explained it well a, a few oh, minutes you. ago. But, you know, when Barbara tells Elias on the boat, you must do what must be done and then you'll be loved. You know, it's like, okay, fine. And, and Barbara even admits that he hasn't been in his life at all at least ostensibly, I, I guess he has been behind the scenes to a certain extent. Right, right. And, and I think if we really want to blame somebody that, see, I don't now I don't want to sound like I'm absolving barber of blame because I'm not, but, but Sarah clearly has her life together or right. it certainly seems that way. And I understand her reticence about, inserting herself back in her son's life the son that she abandoned but he's an intelligent young man and and granted intelligence maybe is worthless when emotion is overpowering so uh, the fact that she has made no attempt forget today forget forget when she doesn't want to see him there were no never any other 
times when you know she thought and maybe she did we just don't really hear about him and, yeah. and granted maybe she just doesn't have the support network that says sarah you're his mother he'll be happy to see you yeah but you know and, this is where like again i try not to be judgmental but it's tough not to be judgmental with sarah here because like all sarah's saying just come out and see him just say hi yeah. just tell him you love him you know how effing hard is that right yeah, um, Guilt is overpowering, I guess, for... Yeah, yeah, true. Um, you know, and, and obviously a lot has happened to them because of them, within them. But, you know, just, you know, for her, again, people may... Like Sarah, the thing about Sarah is her decision is not scripted, right? She has the, the ability to make the decision to come out or not. Right. Um, and yeah. she chooses not to. It's like, so this is again, another situation where we say like everything is on the script, but the KYAL group has left a lot of this up to individual decisions. And, you know, we think they would cover every single detail and they've covered a lot of details, but they're leaving, you know, like kind of the big things up to individuals. Yeah. And I think we're all a bit surprised when he runs into the field and you know, we learn that there's a second detonator, holds the phone aloft and says, no, you are loved. That phrase that we've heard so many times that on the one hand, it's almost lost its meaning, but here yes. its power is right. just immense. Absolutely. And then we see Whiteman is about to be hanged. Um, Iris is outside as the body's taken away. Hillinghead's taken to jail. And, and of course, we know from later on that, that Hillinghead's going to his death. Uh, but Well, he um, confessed to killing a person. Well, yeah, was, yeah, right. There right. wasn't uh, – I, I believe the law in, in – England in the 1890s was pretty uh, pretty um, straightforward about uh, the punishment for murderers. Right, but you know he wasn't really even going to get a trial. I mean, we we certainly learned that. Right. But uh, but then in 2053, when Mannix tells uh, Shahara that he remembers her holding him that day, you are the mother of this world, Shahara, and I am the father. I'm thinking like you know, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> that, that that was a piece of dialogue that yeah yeah that was, I don't know that was a bit much yeah a little sure. cringe worthy yep but you know he yeah shoots I, was, I was thinking about the like wait what like ooh yeah but of course you know Elias is a guy who's pretty comfortable with sexual relations with his own family so you know like he is a guy who's going back in time to uh you know have sex with his own great-grandmother so, yeah you know sometimes i'm a I, I just can't even bring myself to look at that family tree <laughs> for those very reasons well that's the thing like you know, know your love but all right dude bro first of all in the end shouldn't love you that much buddy but secondly you are going back in time to bone your great-grandmother that would give a lot of people pause dave Good point. Good point. A lot of people um, would hesitate at that. Yeah. Not Elias. 
He's good. Now, now you know, in 1890, we talked about choices that Alfred has and his choices to protect his family or to protect Henry. But he, I guess, comes up with a third option, and that's to sacrifice himself so that you know, his family and Henry can survive. And I love the scene when the police are pounding at the door. He's admitted to being the murderer rather than Henry. And Polly immediately knows he's lying. Yes. And, and we've already had this, this plot detail set up previously. Yeah. I forget what he was lying about, but she says you always do this when you lie. So we know she can read her father. So is this how she becomes involved in the conspiracy? I mean, we know she marries uh, Elias. Yeah. And we get a, a, like an extended kind of like, you know, like they go into detail about that, their, their relationship. Right. And their courtship, if yeah. you will, and how all that plays out. But this has to be that, that first element that, that kind of, opens her to this later possibility because you know again for her to buy into this whole you know conspiracy look would you say it's easier for somebody in 2023 to accept time travel rather than somebody in 1890 i I mean of course technologically while most people would say well you know, now it's not a thing and whatever, but you know, so eventually she comes to believe it. Yeah. Or, or so we're, uh, you know, expected to believe. Um, so, well, you know, it, we, but just thought we talking about Alfred. I mean, there's one thing, as he says, um, you know, he basically, he confessed to, to killing the, the man, which is Gabriel to right. It's his, right. It's his body. He confesses to killing him. Now, he didn't actually, but I put it to you that by confessing, he set in motion a series of events that actually will lead to Gabriel Defoe's death. So, in a way, he actually is killing him. By confessing to the crime, he's making the events possible that will lead to Gabriel's death. How about that one, Dave? All right. Well, if he doesn't confess, then do they simply go after Henry and basically railroad him whether or not they have any actual evidence? Yeah, that was was the plan, right? Okay. So they still have somebody – for Defoe's death, you're just Im- implying that it's not going to be Hillingham. It won't be him, right? Oh, Which, okay. uh, you know, then that speaks to Polly's relationship with Harker, her great grandson. Um, right. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, does that all that happen if if uh, if Alfred Hillinghead is is there? Right. I mean, I don't, I don't know, but it's like that. It would be different than how things, like the you know the whole KYL thing is predicated on things happening the way they're supposed to happen, right? And the way things are supposed to happen is he's supposed to be killed. He's supposed to confess and go to jail and be killed, right? And then those things 
directly or indirectly lead to Polly becoming involved. And of course, Polly's involvement is, we know, is is very important. As in 1941, it seems like, I mean, it doesn't seem like she is running the show in 1941 because Harker is unable to. He's bedridden, right? Yeah. I, I mean, she seems so surprised when Whiteman comes into the piano room. Yeah. And one of the things that I know you love, because we've talked about this so many times, there's no hesitation. He walks in, raises his gun, and shoots Boom. her. Yeah. No, no time for no, her to I don't talk him out of story. it. Right. Right. You know, give you know, give you time to push the button. You know, alert your you know, you know, secret guy that's down the hall that's going to no. And then same thing goes into Elias, and you might say, well, he's ninety nine at this point or whatever. What's he going to do? It doesn't matter. Two yeah. bullets to the chest game's right. over so i i certainly love that it, it, yeah you know, well I, I mean I white man like, i mean this is he's like to 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 say the the someone coming in and shooting two old people was <clears throat> pretty boss i you know usually i wouldn't say that but in this case it was pretty boss <clears throat> but as you asked before like do they know because you're right like she seems uh, genuinely surprised as remember, like just, uh, I think last episode when he just had the one bullet in there, you know, she's confident she's not going to die, but he keeps pulling the trigger and she starts screaming every time he does. So maybe her confidence isn't very high. The only person who would have known how Julian and Polly die would be Julian slash Elias, right? Like he's the only one to know. So if he never told anyone, that Whiteman kills them. But then why have Whiteman, you know, like it, it almost seems like, because that's like, that was, that was his purpose, right? Whiteman's whole reason for existence. I almost said the French word again, but I didn't want to embarrass myself again. Um, is to, is to ultimately to kill Polly and Harker, right? Sure. So, right. I mean, they just, totally let that happen because that's what has to happen yeah i mean leaving the record behind the photograph in the uh, cop bar is important for whiteman to yes. to do but but yeah as you said this is you know i, I think his most important uh action that has to has to happen um because, yeah because i think like um like alan thomas had, had I believe he said something in Facebook along, you know, how can anyone ever prevent, you know, the uh, Elias's world from happening if it's a loop, right? We're just, but, but yet, as we see, ultimately, they are able to prevent it. So, you know, I, again, I guess it just goes with, you know, try, try again, little trooper, you know, just keep at it. You'll get it one time again eventually. Well, I guess that's the thing. You know, are there multiple ways that the loop could have been broken? I mean, if if we're saying that the loop was broken when Elias makes a decision to not detonate the bomb, all right, fine. Well, if Hassan is successful in killing Mannix rather than simply hitting him in the leg, does that break the loop? You would think. Right. Well, and that's the thing we said because, you know, the KYAL does leave that possibly because there's so many aspects of this that, that are 
based on free will. They're not planned out. There's people making decisions. As we said with Sarah, as we said with Hassan preventing Elias's death, uh, you know, all of these things, um, there, you know, there, there are, there's elements of choice in there that I guess potentially, well, as we see definitely, um, you know, can lead to a different outcome. Well, you know, Barber tells Elias when they're on the boat, you left me the records. We needed your pain as a catalyst. Well, did he never listen to the records? Uh, because that, that would kind of speak to the questions we're asking here is who, who knew what about their own fate? Right. Yeah. Did he yeah, yeah. know he was going to get shot? Well, you know, you're a cop. You've got a bulletproof vest. If you know you're going to get shot in the chest. Yeah. Right. But, right. But, yeah. But maybe he knows but, but, but if, that. But if your death is right, exactly what causes Elias to, you know, or is one of the major reasons why Elias decides to detonate the bomb, then you know you're sacrificing yourself for this world that you believe so, but you believe in so much, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, well what else we got? Uh, well, so the one thing is you're talking about the trigger, you know, um, which I, I totally didn't really catch the first time because the two events are removed. But Hassan thinks they have the trigger, right? They, he's got the little plastic thing with the button on it, and they think that that's a detonator. So when Elias hands it over, Hassan's like, whew, man. All right, we're good. You know, crisis averted. But, you know, Elias hands it over knowing that it's just a piece of plastic, right? It's well, no, real- I think I think it is an actual detonator. It's just that he's got a backup, so I, it, I it's it like he had. Well, or even well, so, he, he, you know, Barbara's like, "Here, take this." When she wants you to give up the detonator, just give her this. Doesn't matter. Okay. Here's right, here's point. what's actually going to you know detonate the bomb. Um, but you're right; it could have been. But he's either way, you know, he just gives it up, like. All right, but he buys himself some time before he has to make that decision. Right, right, which is a very 15-year-old thing that boys do, Dave. Yes. As you might remember from your years of I teaching. I do remember. <laughs> yeah, so that was that, that was that was kind of a neat thing. You know, I, I really liked, well, first of all, a couple of scenes that were, were really, really good. Um, obviously, the scene with, with Alfred and Henry was a really – Emotion and actually everything like in this, like I think I feel like Alfred has really become kind of like the emotional center of the show in this episode, you know, because we see in him, um, yeah, well, well, all of them, you know, I guess in a way are sacrificing for something, right? And sure, um, sacrificing themselves for something, right? And Alfred is sacrificing himself for love, and then, you know, there's he has that awkward conversation with his wife who. Let's face it, knows, right? She basically says as much, you know. It doesn't take her much to figure out what's going on. But that, you know, like, well, but there's, you know, like just the idea of sexual attraction and love are like two different things. He loves his wife. He loves his daughter, you know, just because he might not be, you know, physically necessarily attracted to his wife doesn't mean he doesn't love her. And he does because he, what he his decision is to protect Henry, another person he loves, but also to protect his family, right? Which I'm not sure how, but he says that. So, 
you know, and then, you know, obviously Whiteman is just good. He's a, he's the sword of vengeance, right? He, he's, and he does what he's going to do. And he's good. So he sacrifices himself to make, uh, what he sees the world, right. Uh, to even things out. Hassan is inadvertently, um, going to, you know, she, her family gets sacrificed and she's the only one who's like, like the sacrifice she makes, well, I guess all of them, the, the sacrifice they make actually is part of the plan, right? And she's not, obviously doesn't want to sacrifice her family, uh, but but that's exactly what happens because that's the plan, right? That's what has to happen. Um, and Iris, I guess at this point, we're still like, what what has she sacrificed, right? Besides a guy that she well, nothing so fancied far. one night. Right, right. Right. So, um but you know, we'll, we'll put a, a pin in that, as as they like to say. So they keep saying that like uh, half a million people were killed, but they like early on they say that the bomb killed two hundred thousand people, and then another two hundred thousand people died because of something else, and then another, or, or they said double. I'm sorry, they say double that died from the fallout or whatever, and then double that again. Uh, died in the next month or so. So, you know, my math isn't great, Dave, but that comes out to about 800,000 people, which is um, not 400,000. So, right, right, right. And I then, just, of course, the ensuing chaos after, uh, yeah. you know, I guess our social norms break down. Oh, yeah. One one thing, I think this is probably be the last, but, you know, as anyone who has seen It's a Wonderful Life knows, Dave, that when you are in a state of emotional distress... Do not yell at your kid who's playing the piano. It's just a, it's just bad luck. But in Alfred's defense, it's 1890, and uh, it's a wonderful life has not been made yet. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jimmy he, he, Stewart might not even be born yet. Yeah, I don't think Jimmy Stewart was actually born yet. So, uh, Harker just laughs when Whiteman shoots him. I mean, that's pretty. That's pretty badass too, Dave, I have to admit. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, just the last thing. So, you know, the, the bullet hits the ground after Iris shoots uh, Defoe. We see the right. bullet hits the ground. And I'm like, well, where, you know, I, I guess because it's kind of red in the background that I guess it's 2053, but not sure where the bullet actually hits the ground. Oh, and then the last, I, I know I've said the last thing a lot, but this is the actual last thing, just because uh, when um, Hassan takes Elias, they stop by kind of like the, these woods, right? It kind of, to me, looked like it was reminiscent of Miller's Crossing, which I don't know if you've seen that movie, but... A long time ago. Yeah. So, you know, there's this place where, you know, the gangsters, you know, take people that to shoot them it's called miller's crossing and it's out in the woods and with a clearing in the middle of it so that the little thing and, and in a way it's kind of like again not unlike right that that this idea that i wish i'd what, killed you when i had the chance yeah right like like because that's that's right that's the thing that gabriel burns character in there tommy right but tommy um you know he doesn't shoot the guy the first time and then all the consequences he has to reap because of that so um you know I, I felt like I, I don't know, you know, just because I think it doesn't mean it was actually intended that way. But if they did intend 
to that for to be like a little shout out to Miller's Crossing. Good work. That's that's fabulous. Um, so I think yeah, Dave, I'm 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 done. I got you. okay. All right, well, let's go ahead and get to listener feedback, and we'll be right back. This is Alan from Minnesota with feedback for the Netflix series Bodies, which I keep having to stop myself from calling Bodies, 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 the name of a movie that came out in 2022, which I actually haven't even seen. It's funny, I look at my rating for this episode on my TV Time app, and I gave it 5 out of 5 stars, a rating I only bestowed on 3 of the 8 episodes of the season. But then when I look back at the notes I took on this one, they're all gripes. Having noted this seeming disparity for the record, I will just read you what I have written there, since I no longer have Netflix and therefore can't rewatch, and the episodes all kind of blur together in my memory. I'm disappointed in Hassan for not refusing to answer the phone, or even before that, having someone else go into the room in the vault instead of her. She knows these people want to have her play out the script for them, so she should have tried to disrupt their efforts. Blocking the intelligence agent's shot at Elias was also a super bad idea, even if it worked out. But, of course, that's a very standard TV thing to do. At least she says she regrets it decades later. And what kind of idiot is this scientist? Send me back to 1890 to start the process of killing half a million people and becoming a dictator, or I will shoot this woman in the head, a woman you had one nice date with and who is already lying here with a nasty gut wound. What kind of bargain is that? On the what I'm watching front, my wife and I got a deal that was too good to pass up, a full year of Peacock for 30 bucks, so I've been exploring the content on that service. I highly recommend the series Mrs. Davis, which is about an artificial intelligence that has sort of taken over the world through its own form of social media, but it's also about badass nuns on motorcycles and the quest for the Holy Grail and just a lot of really banana stuff. It's a truly bizarre series, but in what I find to be a super fun way, although your mileage may vary, people who got just a month of Peacock for the Chiefs-Dolphins playoff game should take this opportunity to check it out. Hello Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for the miniseries Bodies, Season 1, Episode 6. Not coming back to last week's podcast, because... I have nothing. Okay, let's go into episode 6. I have a kind of series of nitpicks or questions. First off is the bomb. The bomb in the vault. They could have developed that in 1941. Although when we see the film Oppenheimer it's possibly a little early. But nevertheless, let's say that Harker with all his money had developed a bomb also in that time period. But still, a lot of the technique is from after that period. If you, for instance, see the telephone that's hanging in the vault and that seems to activate the bomb, put it on sharp, that telephone is from much later. And the second thing is, of course, the way Elias detonates it via a mobile phone. Well... That really wasn't available in 1941. On the other hand, the Harkers have a lot of assistants, workers, worker bees. So between 1941 and 2023, they could have extended the original bomb. It doesn't mean that that fault couldn't have been reserved for Sahara in 1941. 
but perhaps initially an empty room and in the time period after that they built the bomb. Then we have the so-called Travels of Daniel Defoe. I thought initially that we saw more Daniel Devos in different time periods because that were different succeeding time loops. But here in the end of the episode we get the impression that he travels to all these different times at the same time. Whereas when we see Julian Harker go through the strut, he lands up in 1890 but not in 1941 or 2023. Why is Defoe going to multiple times and, for instance, Harker going to one time? And in the episodes to come, we also see that Maplewood just goes to one time. And then, of course, I talk about the times in the past. Perhaps they land up in the future as well, because they are split. But I am just focusing here on the travels backward in time. Because that is what we see. Another point is why is Maplewood a kind of slavish following her commander? If we see her operate, she is a critical person. But here in this episode, in the end, she just follows the orders of the commander. Whereas she should have enough evidence that he perhaps is not a person to follow. He even admits that he detonated the bomb. But yeah, as said, what will happen to a lot of people when the bomb doesn't explode? Maplewood, for instance, wouldn't exist at all, or something like that. I know she was born a little bit before the bomb, but all kinds of things could go differently because the bomb didn't explode. For instance, one of the people that died during the bomb explosion now survives and is causing a traffic accident in which Maplewood dies. Although with all these automated cars, accidents are perhaps something of the past. One thing I don't remember is what is happening to Alfred Hillinghead. We see that Charles Whiteman is hanged for his crimes, but what happens to Alfred, I can't remember. It's clear that he is going to jail, but what happens there with him? That will be all for now. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Hello to Dave Wayne and everyone listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Alan from England here with feedback about Bodies, Episode 6. What else I'm watching? I have seen both of those Quiet Place movies that Wayne mentioned. I found the first one very stressful. Uh, The second one I kind of enjoyed more. There were different things going on. In the first one, there was a certain scene where somebody is coming down the stairs and you know what's going to happen and that still gives me the shivers. My partner said, so you're fine with all that, you know, death and destruction from aliens and things, but it's just that stair scene that upsets you. The answer is yes. I do not envisage myself being attacked by aliens, but I do fear that stair scene. I also watched the Creator movie, which was pretty good. Uh, A little bit AI, a little bit Star Wars, a little bit Apocalypse Now. Uh, Quite an interesting blend. I've resumed watching Outlander. Uh, There sure is a lot of action in that show, and I mean in the bedroom and other places rather than the battlefield. Back to bodies. The world is yours. The titles reveal a strip of paper with a code 
I'm a bit stunned, but I think that might be the phone number or the vault number relating to the bomb. I confess I had also mixed up the characters of Hayden and Calloway, and I actually thought Hayden was called Hayden Calloway, but I have now got them right and separated again. How long has that bomb been underground? Obviously, it must be after the 1940s, when the atomic bomb was invented, and uh, the electronics and lights on it suggest it's a bit more recent, maybe 80s or 90s. But it just goes to show what a sprawling network of involvement there must be to prepare such a thing. Barber finally reveals himself. What a twist that was the first time round. But then Hassan makes a classic mistake. If you don't pick up the phone to the bad guys, then they can't threaten or coerce you. Free will is a big theme again, but really Barber wants Elias to decide, but he only really wants him to decide one way. It's like saying, well, it's your decision, but the decision should be to press the button. Whiteman kills both Polly and Harker back in the 40s, and almost kills Hayden, although that wasn't really clear. Unless, of course, as you mentioned, he needs to live to be about 70, 80 years old before fathering Barber. I do also agree there needs to be a generation or two added in there before Barber comes along. My main question this week, how and when does Defoe get the mark on his wrist? He didn't have it just before being shot as we saw him looking at his bare arm. And then how and why did Harker get the mark? Does the machine physically mark everyone that jumps that way? Seems a bit strange. I need to check if they show Hassan's arm when she jumps through in a later episode. Finally, the bomb actually goes off and this loop is largely complete. You were debating, you know, where does the loop begin? Well, being a loop, it doesn't have a beginning. It doesn't have a cause, effect, start, end exactly. You could only say that it first appears in history when Mannix slash Harker appears in 1890. It's not exactly the start of the loop, but it's the first sign of evidence of it. Thanks, as always, for keeping me in the loop. Take care. Alan from Now, I think I got the Allens mixed up, although in my defense, I believe both Allens and Fred bring up the the problem with the bomb in the basement of the bank. And, and, you know, I think we addressed that, that they just probably updated things throughout the years, you know, and, and, and they, I think Alan in England mentions, you know, the whole don't answer the phone uh when they're when they're in the you know the the bomb room and that uh you know don't answer the phone and that maybe you stop everything from happening but right you know. well yeah and, and maybe like you're not answering the phone was what yeah i mean she i don't think she's there yet but if she understood what was going on. She would realize that no matter what she does, that's what she was supposed to do, probably. Right? That answer the phone, don't answer the phone. Like everything, you've already done this, right? Um, now, Alan Thomas, uh, aka Alan in Minnesota, brings up a show called Mrs. Davis that I'd, I'd never heard of. I'm going to check it out. I mean, badass nuns on motorcycles got my attention right, on that man. one. And I have mentioned Warrior Nun before uh 
which uh, is a show that got canceled after two seasons, but the fans resurrected it, which uh, is certainly a great thing. So we're waiting for season three there. But uh, oh, did that did that really happen? That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never I never watched season two yet. I have to get on that. Oh, okay. Um, what else? I like the uh, I got nothing. Call out Fred. Well done. That's good. Yeah. Um, you know, I I, I like. The question Fred asks is why Iris slavishly follows Elias, and we, you know, we asked that question during the podcast as well, you know. But basically, we were wondering whether she shot. I'm sorry, why she shot uh, Defoe? Um, and I don't really have a good like. Again, I have to rely. Back. I think your assessment that her ability to walk, her life, her nice apartment, all this stuff is predicated on the you know of uh, manix creating this world yeah the so K-Y-A-L, it, it right. could very well boil down to that right if if i have to shoot you to save this world sorry guy gotta shoot you you know yeah and things are happening very quickly for her she hasn't yeah. had a lot of time to process everything yeah. so she has no time right, right. as she, good a detective as she is yeah yeah and then you know again the, the idea of what happens with iris you know brought this question what happens if the bomb doesn't go off right because that's going to yeah. obviously change things you know um and that that's a great question and we you know i don't like i said i am one of those people who who thinks that there not only won't be a season two but there shouldn't be a season two but of course whenever there's a, a buck to be made on something dave someone's going to make that buck Right. Yeah. Well, someone in this de- case, if someone decides that, uh, hey, you know, we only meant to make this to be a limited series, but, uh, you know, we did leave a door open there at the end so we could do more if we wanted to. And, hey, look at all the money this show made. Well, let's do it. So, you know, yeah. I'm not going to hate another season of Bodies, but certainly that if they if they would make that season two, you would assume a lot of it would be. You know, how is the world different now that the bomb didn't go off, right? Is it different? Right. Is it different, right? Yeah. All right. Want to leave it there? Uh, Sure. All right. Sounds good. So, uh, Fred, Netherlands, Alan in England, thank you for your feedback. Alan Thomas in Minnesota, great to have you back, uh, although you, you've been certainly posting frequently in the Facebook group, which is awesome as well. Now, some of you are out there saying, uh, Dave, Wayne, uh, you only got two episodes of Bodies to go. Yes. What's next on the horizon? Well, what we also have is an immense ability to procrastinate. I, I was going to say, if you're asking that question, do we even know each other? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> who are you? <laughs> right. How long have you been here? Yeah. Um, I, I will say that there are a couple of uh shows i'm not going to mention them now i've mentioned them to you at least one i sent you a link and there's another one i'll mention to you after yeah. uh, we stop recording but uh yeah you know come on we got two well, weeks honestly we dave out. it sounds like you need to go back and actually watch money heist an episode at a time i think that uh, might be what we gotta do well i gotta finish the second story i mean there's berlin there's money heist korea dude <laughs> yeah wait so, what money heist korea. you didn't know that yeah. Is that that just dropped on Netflix? Really? 
Yeah. Well, that, that's what I'm doing tonight. So, <laughs> all right. Anyway, all right. That'll do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatcher. It's going to turn into a Money Heist podcast. Thank you which for joining okay. us. That wouldn't be necessary. Which would be more than okay. I'd <laughs> love to hear what you think about uh, bodies, money heist, uh, anything going on in your genre TV world. Uh, check out the Facebook group if you haven't already. Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us. We'll be back next week to talk about episode seven of the Netflix sci-fi thriller Bodies. But until then. You know, as sci-fi TV rewatch grows and, you know, as from one listener, one country at a time, all I have to say to all those other podcasts are when are you going to learn you can't stop this? <laughs>